I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Oh, if I sound a little different today, there's a couple of reasons for that. Reason number one, I am on copious amounts of medication, got a little bit of a sinus infection, and if I were one of those great big huge massive shows, this would be the day that we have a guest host, but uh, we're not. And so here you are, you're going to get to hear me in my drug-addled state as we talk about our faith. Here we are in that last week of Lent, uh, coming into, uh, starting tomorrow, Holy Week, uh, and just a, a great opportunity to explore some of the richness of our faith. So today, not only is uh, the, the day right before Holy Week, but given uh, the, the time of year that Holy Week falls this time, it's also the solemnity of uh, St. Joseph, the foster father of Jesus Christ, and the, the spouse of St. Mary. So a uh, big day there as well, and we're going to all wrap it up into uh, one little tight, pretty little bow. The other reason that I might sound a little bit different today, other than you know the, my resonant sinus cavities are all stuffed with who knows what, uh, is because <laughs> right as I sat down to record this, as, as luck would have it, the, the preamp that I normally use, and if you're not a tech person, that's what you plug the microphone into before it goes into the, uh, the soundboard, right? Uh, it, it fried on me today, and it, it sounds like a beautiful rainstorm. You would have had a really hard time hearing me through the static. Uh, and so I, I went to my trusty backup and I haven't gotten everything dialed in just perfectly because we are at Outside the Walls, a, I say we, uh, it's a one-man operation, right? I am not only the engineer, uh, where I've got to make sure that all, all the little twisty knobs are put in the right places, uh, not only the producer lining up all the interviews and so forth, uh, but, but also the host. So uh, it's a, a small operation. Now, the distribution's a little bit trickier than that because we've got, uh, of course, uh, our 10 stations and our smartphone app uh, all around the world. You can catch us either on the Oklahoma Catholic Broadcasting Network, on St. Michael Catholic Radio. Our, our inception, our, our birth happened there in Broken Arrow on St. Michael Catholic Radio. Uh, up in Kentucky on Real Life Radio and then all around the world on that Breadbox Media app. Brand new thing, something uh, excellent to take a look at. And of course, they're handling all of our podcasting as well. You can find out more information about them over at breadboxmedia.com. Uh, so today, we're talking a little bit about everything. I want to talk to you here in a bit about uh, my conversion story. I realized, uh, I've told you several times I'm a convert. I don't think that I've ever told you on this show uh, my journey into the Catholic Church. And here as we're approaching Holy Week, I figured that might be an appropriate time to talk about that. And specifically, as we're talking about St. Joseph on St. Joseph Feast Day, uh, it, it fits pretty well, I think, what St. Joseph had to, uh, to wrestle with uh, to a much greater degree than I ever did. Uh, I shared in some of his uh, struggles, and not so much in having to you know raise the the perfect son of God. Uh, but we'll get there. We'll get there when we get to our readings. Uh, so as always, we're going to start off with a, a time of prayer, uh, very briefly, a time of reading in scripture and a sermon from church history. So let's go ahead and get started with that. All powerful God, by the suffering and death of your son, strengthen and protect us in our weakness 
We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. So today's readings are all surrounding that solemnity of St. Joseph. And one of the things that I love about our Missal, and the Missal is, of course, where the scriptures are lined up for us, the lectionary, uh, where there are scriptures for every day of the year, is that they, they tie together uh, the stories and the threads that can sometimes get lost when you're looking at all the different characters and, and people and, and plot lines, as it were, uh, in Scripture. And so here today on St. Joseph's Day, uh, we are learning and seeing how God, from the very beginning, all the way back at Abraham, began weaving together uh, his plan of salvation by which he would undo what Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve separated themselves from God, and God has been chasing after them through us, Uh, ever since. And so we're going to get a little bit of of that picture today. And so over the last couple of weeks, I haven't done the readings. I've done maybe a reading and reflected on it. Uh, But today I want to go ahead and do the whole thing because of how everything ties together. So our first reading today uh, comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7. The Lord God spoke to Nathan and said, go tell my servant David, when your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your heir after you, sprung from your loins, and I will make his kingdom firm. It is he who shall build a house for my name, and I will make his royal throne firm forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me, and your throne shall stand firm forever. That reading comes from the book of Second Samuel, where we see God telling of his faithfulness, even in advance, saying, you know what, I've got this. And think about this from this perspective. David uh, just now watched the first king of Israel, Saul, uh, not leave his kingdom to his heirs, right? The, the, the rightful heir, according to the wisdom of the day, would have been Jonathan, the son of Saul, and yet it wasn't. It was David. Uh, God went around and uh, undid... <laughs> Uh, his favor on Saul uh, and his household and transferred that over to David. We see that in the book of First Samuel. And so here, at the end of David's life, as it's coming to a close, he comes to David and says, don't worry about this, I got you. All right, he's giving him a, a, a glimpse into his faithfulness and said, basically, because of the heart of David, because of how much David uh, pleased the Lord, not through his actions, because he was a kind of a rascal, uh, but rather through his contrite heart, because of his desire to please God. Uh, he said, you know, you're a man after my own heart, and I'm, I'm going to bless that. I'm going to call out that virtue in all of those that come after you, and I'm going to establish through your line, I'm going to establish a king forever. Now, as we get through these readings, we're going to see that that comes, as we're approaching Holy Week, that comes in Christ Jesus, uh, who is now the king of the world and the universe. So our second reading, our responsorial psalm, comes from Psalm 89. The son of David will live forever. The promises of the Lord I will sing forever. Through all generations my mouth shall proclaim your faithfulness. For you have said, my kindness is established forever. In heaven you have confirmed your faithfulness. The son of David will live forever. I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. Forever I will confirm your posterity and establish your throne for all generations. The son of David will live forever. He shall say of me, You are my father, my God, the rock, my savior. 
Forever I will maintain my kindness towards him, and my covenant with him stands firm. The son of David will live forever. So here again in that psalm, we have the psalmist who is recounting this as probably a means of encouragement in the midst of of difficulty. The the 80s in the psalms are, are very often psalms that are pulled out of a time of exile. And so they're reminding themselves, hey, uh, God promised that his faithfulness to David would remain forever. And so he's got us, even though we don't see it in our circumstances, God is faithful and he has us. Now, this is echoed again in the book of Romans, which is our next reading. Of course, it's not the gospel yet because today is a solemnity of St. Joseph. And so we have that extra reading, even though it's a Saturday. Brothers and sisters, it was not through the law that the promise was made to Abraham and his descendants that he would inherit the world but through the righteousness that comes from faith. For this reason, it depends on faith, so that it may be a gift, and the promise may be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to those who adhere to the law, but also to those who follow the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into being what does not exist. He believed, hoping against hope, that he would become the father of many nations. According to what was said, thus shall your descendants be. That is why it was credited to him as righteousness. That reading comes from the book of Romans chapter 4, and that's brought in because we can see now that this is larger than just the promise to David, right? This is the promise to all the people of faith, that we are now included in that, uh, and, and in that kingship, which comes through David, right, F- who was from the line of Abraham, is now extended to us all, uh, that the descendants, uh, that the inheritance is not just for one people, but for all people. And so finally, we get to the gospel. Uh, we, there are two options for today, but I chose the one from Matthew chapter one, because I, this is one I relate to a little bit better. Uh, the second option was finding Jesus in the temple uh, when he was 12. Uh, but this one goes right to the very beginning, and it, it relates to my conversion story, which we're going to talk about here in a moment. Uh, and it comes from the, the gospel of Matthew chapter one. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of her was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Now this is how the birth of Jesus came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention, when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took his wife into his home. That reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. Something that just struck me as, as we're reading that is when the angel comes to, to whomever, uh, how he greets them is important, right? So when he comes to Mary, he says, uh, Hail Mary, full of grace. And that, that turn of phrase in the Greek 
where we get full of grace comes from, uh, gives us a picture into who she was, uh, that she was preserved from sin for the sake of Christ. Uh, and that's another show. We, we did that show with David Walker a while back. Uh, you can go and catch that on the archives over at OutsideTheWalls.com. But he, he, listen again how he speaks to Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Oh, see, now there's something important in that title for, uh, for the implications of the birth of Christ, that this child is going to be also a son of David, which means that he is potential. He's in the line for kingship, right? And so all of a sudden, now the pieces are kind of falling into place. Uh, now, that's why we have this whole uh, readings of the Old Testament preceding this, because uh, for us in the Western world, who don't really have a concept of kingship, uh, it, it really doesn't make any difference to us uh, that it was Mary and Joseph, right? But for the people who are waiting for him, for the, for the Messiah, uh, for those people, that line was very important. And so it made him as, as such eligible uh, to even be the Messiah. And there were hundreds of prophecies about the Messiah. And Jesus Christ fulfilled them all. And some of them he would have had no control over, such as the place of his birth or the line from which he came. And so here we have, uh, here we have this putting in place for us on St. Joseph's Day, uh, the, the faithfulness of God as demonstrated through the life of David, through the life of Abraham, and through the life of Joseph. And now we're, we're coming up on the break, and so I don't have time right at this moment to talk about what my connection with St. Joseph is, but we're going to do that just when we come back. We're going to talk about this reading uh, with St. Joseph and and why it matters, what the actions of St. Joseph have to teach us as we approach Holy Week. Well, join this conversation. While this show is a one-man operation, Facebook.com is not. Uh, if you've got a Facebook account, come over and chat with me. Uh, Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. If you're not a Facebook person, that's okay. I've got Twitter handles at Outside the Walls. Uh, let's have a conversation. When we come back, I'm going to be telling you my story of how I came into the Catholic Church. Lots more to talk about. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, thanks for sticking around. Well, I haven't chased you off yet. Uh, I figured with my... I promise I am Timothy Putnam. I know I don't sound like it. Uh, it's, uh, I've, I get this really low... Well, at least it's, to me, it sounds this really low voice when I, when, whenever I get sick. And so, yes, I am sick. I'm on multiple medications, including a really potent antibiotic to uh, knock out this little sinus infection that I have. But my love for you is so great that I am still recording uh, despite all of this. And you, you may never listen again because, man, he sounds awful. But, uh, but I'm glad that you're here today. And today we're talking about uh, conversion. We're talking specifically about my conversion. Uh, I realized that I've, I've given this story. I had the opportunity to tell my story a little bit on the journey home uh, with Marcus Grodi back, oh, March, I think two years ago. 
but I, I haven't told it here. I've told it on other people's radio show, uh, two actually. I told it on uh, the 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 Mike Allen show, which you can also find on Breadbox Media, and, and I've told it on. Uh, I, gosh, who's the other one? Uh, I think uh, Living Witnesses with uh, with Mary Graham, who's also on Breadbox. Uh, but but I have never. Uh, I've never told you. I've alluded to it. I've, I've told you that I am a convert and, and s- told you a little bit about how that colors some of my perceptions about various topics. But I've not ever told you to my knowledge, and it could just be because I'm, I'm in a drug-addled state, uh, but I, I don't think I've ever told you my story. And so I'm going to invite you into that, and we're going to talk a little bit about how it is uh, that this this son of a United Methodist evangelist, grandson of a Methodist pastor, great, 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 great grandson of the first licensed lay pastor in for the Methodist Church in the state of Louisiana, how I, I became a Catholic. I, I'm fairly sure, I'm not positive, but I'm fairly sure that I'm the first Catholic on my dad's side of the family since the Reformation. Uh, seriously, I mean... Uh, I've got, let's see, General Israel Putnam from the Battle of Bunker Hill. He's a relative of mine. Uh, so that, that takes us up the, the East Coast, right, during, right around the time of the Revolutionary War. Uh, think of what other Putnams you know there. That's right in Salem. That's right. The Salem Witch Trials. There was an Ann Putnam. Uh, and so you see that the, the, not, not, very, not very Catholic uh, family. Uh, and yet here I am, I am a Catholic and not only a Catholic, but I, uh, am the director of faith formation at a, at a parish. Uh, I've worked at a diocese and now I have a radio show. What, what gives man? How did this ever happen? And before I get there, I want to jump back to St. Joseph. I want you to look, uh, at this picture of St. Joseph who is betrothed. Uh, and betrothal was different then than our engaged. Uh, the, I mean, because you see in that scripture, he says betrothed to Mary, and yet he's going to divorce her. So there is there there's something that is uh, more permanent in a betrothal than what we have in marriage. You also see uh, that that it says Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame. So there there is a connection that's much closer uh, to to marriage uh, than it is to an engagement. It's it's not the same kind of betrothal that we think of here with Mary and Joseph. And so here Joseph is, and he finds that this person with whom he's never had any relations uh, is is pregnant, and he's a he's a grown up. He knows how this happens, and so now he has a choice. Now the church fathers treat this in different ways. Some of the church fathers say that Joseph recognized immediately uh, that this was a fulfillment of the prophecy, and he was worried that he wasn't going to be able to uh, to really handle this situation. And so when the angel came and said, don't worry about this, it wasn't so much saying, oh, this really is what she says it is, she's not lying to you, because these church fathers, certain ones, really think that Joseph already knew that. Uh, rather, they interpret that this this angel coming to him was an encouragement that he was going to be given the gifts that he needed to be able to fulfill this task. Other church fathers uh, would would side on the side of what we would intuitively think that Joseph is finding this person pregnant, going, "Wait a second here," uh, and so that then the the angel coming is 
an encouragement that no, she's telling the truth. And, and so who's right? Well, the church hasn't made a, a determination on that. No one is, uh, there's no definitive doctrine about which interpretation of this story uh, is the correct one. But what we do see, regardless of which of these uh, pictures you look to from the church fathers, what we see is that Joseph had something unexpected pop up in his life. Uh, Whether he was uh, expecting just to uh, get married and live a normal life, or whether he was expecting to, uh, whatever the case was, whatever this picture that we have of Mary and Joseph was, something unexpected happened, right? All of a sudden, Uh, Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, Uh, something that not only is out of the ordinary, but is supernatural, uh, that never done before and never done since. Here we have something different. And Joseph's response is there the last line. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife into his home. So now, course, people will talk. And so you've got the outside world looking in and they, they, oh, well, look, you know, they, they messed up. Right. And so there's this kind of, um, or, or they've got this picture of, oh, poor Joseph. Uh, he's, he's so compassionate. He took her in, even though she's who, whatever the people talked, people talk. Uh, and yet Joseph was faithful and obedient, uh, to the voice of the Lord, did everything the angel of the Lord commanded him. And that kind of obedience is a rare thing today. Uh, We see that play out even further in Jesus later. And of course, I'm sure that part of this comes from the fact that Jesus was fully divine, right? Uh, But part of that here as we're approaching Holy Week, uh, part of that is probably due to the influence of his foster father, Joseph, St. Joseph, where he says in the Garden of Gethsemane as he is uh, praying uh, the night that he's betrayed, and he says, uh, "Let this, if it, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done." That kind of resolve is something we see right here in the life of Saint Joseph, isn't it? I mean, don't we see that Saint Joseph is willing to endure uh, ridicule? He's willing to endure uncertainty. Uh, later, we see that he pops up in the middle of the night because of a dream and takes his wife and Jesus, and flees to Egypt, right? Away from stability and certainty and into uncertainty. And here we have St. Joseph relying on the faithfulness of God, just because he's God, relying on the faithfulness of God in the midst of uncertainty. And he gives us a beautiful picture of how we're to handle the unknown, because as, as much as you and I plan, as much as we think we know what's going on and, and how things are going to work out, we don't. We, we're weak. And that's part of our prayer today. When we opened up, Lord, through the suffering and death of your passion, strengthen us who are weak. That's you and me, right? Uh, think about if you had a dream in the middle of the night that said, hey, get up and flee to Egypt. Would you do it? Are we detached enough from the things that are around us, from our our home and our jobs and everything else that we could obey with that kind of radical obedience? And so here we have in St. Joseph and in St. Mary with her fiat, let it be done to me according to your will. We have in these two this picture of radical obedience to the voice of God. Now, here's the thing. 
about them that, that maybe separates them from you and I. They heard the voice of God and they acted, but they wouldn't have acted if they hadn't recognized that this was the voice of God. They had to have cultivated to this point in their life some extent of being able to hear God's voice and to obey it. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm changing tack a little bit, maybe kind of like Joseph. Uh, but I want to tell you a, a story that is part of my conversion story. I will get there perhaps if we have time today. But this story of how do we hear the voice of God? Because that, that has radical implications uh, to how we practice our faith, right? This has radical implications to uh, how we view faith. Is faith just the thing that we do? We go to Mass uh, and we, uh, we try not to fall asleep during the homily and we stand and we kneel at the right times. So we go up and receive, receive the Eucharist and we go home. If that's what faith is, then there's something uh, that's missing. We're missing the voice of God. We, we hear these, these stories of the prophets and uh, the sages throughout ages, right? We, Elijah hearing the voice of God in the still small voice and Moses hearing God through the burning bush and, and St. Joseph hearing God in dreams. And, and we sit here and I sat here uh, for so long saying, why can't I hear the voice of God clearly. God, if you would just tell me what I'm supposed to do next, I would say, I'll do it, right? Anything you say, I'll do it. And, and I couldn't ever get a clear voice. Sometimes I would hear what I thought was the voice of God, and I'd begin walking in that way, and it would fall apart around my ears. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to do anything if I can't recognize the voice of God? And that's it right there. If we can't recognize the voice of God in our lives, then we're, we're adrift, right? We, we have to rely on our own wits. And as witty as we can be, it's going to fail us eventually. Uh, eventually, we're going to hit a spot where our wits can't get us through this. And for St. Joseph, that time came, right? It came when the angel of the Lord came to him. Uh, he had no idea what he was supposed to do. Uh, he, he decided to divorce her quietly because it, it seemed like the best course of action. It seemed like the way that everyone was going to, to save face. Uh, and so he began to proceed in that way. He had decided in his, in his head, decided in his heart that this is how he's going to proceed. But he was open to the voice of God. And the voice of God came to him through the angel and said, don't be afraid. So, uh, you know, we were going to do, talk about my conversion story today, and I've kind of gone off topic, uh, as I want to do. So we're going to talk about a specific conversion point in my life, and it's going to be the point at which I really began to understand how the voice of God worked. How can you and I today listen for and hear the voice of God guiding us and directing us? Big question, uh, little answer, little answer, believe it or not. Join this conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Uh, I want to know what you think. Talk to me about your experience with hearing the voice of God or maybe not hearing it. We're talking today about hearing and discerning the voice of God in our lives. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today, we're talking about hearing the voice of God as it relates to our lives. Here on this feast day, the solemnity of St. Joseph, foster father of Jesus, husband of St. Mary, Blessed Mary, ever virgin. And, you know, I... I'm, I'm taken by the lives of, of the Holy Family because of their radical obedience to the voice of God. But before we can be radically obedient to the voice of God, we have to know what the voice of God is. So I want to tell you about this, uh, this struggle in my own life. Uh, this was back, oh gosh, probably about two, well, probably started around 2000, right? So we're, we're talking 15, 16 years ago. Uh, in college and trying to, you know, I had my picture of what college was going to look like. I had my picture of what uh, life would look like when I got out of college and it wasn't turning out that way. Uh, And so uh, I I struggled. I kind of floundered a little bit of, well, how am I supposed to keep moving if I don't know where I'm supposed to move next? And and in my growing up, uh, the the church that I went to had a little bit of a charismatic streak through the middle of it. And so even though it was Methodist and Methodist doctrine, it, it had this, this side of uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, manifest in, in the service. Not quite as far as you'd expect from like a Pentecostal service, but definitely still present. And, and so there was this understanding that you, you hear the voice of God uh, in, in your head. God speaks to you. There's this conversation. And we even use those words, uh, I heard the voice of God speak to me, right? And so I had this picture that it was the little voices in your head. You know, when you, when you go and you start praying and all of a sudden every thought begins swirling around. Well, some of those thoughts that I had uh, were phrased in such a way uh, that I thought that this was the voice of God. And whether it was just my own mind or whether it was, uh, you know, the devil trying to uh, move me in a, a direction that would take me further away from God, I'll leave that to your imagination. But for me, what it was, was not the voice of God. And so here I am, I'm, I'm seeking, I'm listening, I'm praying, I'm, I'm saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do next? And I'd sit there and I'd kind of will myself to hear the voice of God. And I'd, I'd sit in silence and, uh, the first good idea that popped into my head, well, that must be the voice of God. And so I'd get up and I'd go and I'd run and I'd start to do that until it wouldn't work or until I'd hear another voice saying, no, 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 you missed it. That's not, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to go do this over here. And so I lived this kind of frenetic desire to hear and obey the voice of God with really no concept of, of what it was other than that quiet little voice in your head that tells you what's right from wrong. And, you know, when you're sitting there and you've got conflicting voices going on uh, in your own conscience. And you, you all think that I'm crazy now. You conflicting voices in his head. Oh my goodness. It wasn't like son of Sam stuff. Uh, no, but when you have these conflicting opinions, these conflicting thoughts, and you are trying to figure out and discern which one is correct, when not even taking into account the, the correct one may be D, none of the above, right? Uh, but here I am, I've been taught that you can hear the voice of God and I'm struggling to hear the voice of God. And it comes to a head, uh, in January of 2000 and I think 2004, 
and the church that I was at at the time called uh, a 40 day fast from something, whatever it is you wanted to fast from. It was in January. So, cause it was a Baptist church, they couldn't do Lent. Right. Uh, so here we were, uh, I attended this Baptist church. I was never a Baptist because I didn't uh, adhere to Baptist theology, but I was attending that specific congregation. And, and I had the thought, you know, fa- fasting is supposed to help you hear the voice of God. And right now I need that more than ever. I was in a, a very difficult situation, uh, both in my, in my career and in my relationship life and everywhere around every facet of my life, I was dealing with difficulty. And so I'm like, well, if there was ever a time that I needed to do a 40 day fast, this would be it. And, uh, and so I did. And what I would tell you about a 40 day fast is, uh, only do it if you're called to it. Uh, I did a juice fast, so I didn't have anything but juice for 40 days. Uh, and it was, uh, that's a whole different story. Um, but the Lenten fast is a wonderful fast because it gives us the opportunity to find out what we hunger for in a way that doesn't, uh, push the edge of our psychological boundaries, like, like a full food fast would do. So I encourage you to do the Lenten fast. I encourage you to be very, uh, wise in whether or not you ever do a full fast. But here I was, I was doing a full fast with nothing but juice and I didn't feel really all that spiritual in the middle of it. I didn't feel like I was hearing God's voice better. It was just, you know what, dang it, I'm going to do this because I need to hear God's voice. And so I did it and I got to the end of it and, uh, fast was over and I broke the fast and, and I hadn't really heard anything. I mean, nothing was, nothing had changed except now, okay, I, I accomplished this. So I started to eat again. And then I was sitting in silence and God answered and and spoke to me and he spoke to me by letting me hear one of those voices that wasn't him first. And that voice told me something that, that got me very mad. Uh, It told me something about my relationship. You've met Kristen. She came on the show and talked recently. This was right before we started dating. And that voice said, well, she's not for you. You need to go look somewhere else. And I was fed up. I said, you know what? I was mad at this voice. And if that, if that voice was God, then I was mad at God. And I said, you know what, God, if this is you, uh, I appreciate that you're talking to me, but you're going to have to tell me some other way. Cause I am not listening to this voice in my head anymore, ever again. Uh, you've got to talk to me some other way. And right after that, uh, I heard another voice in my head because you know, that that's just ironic, uh, saying no more shadows. And when I heard that voice, no more shadows, I pictured myself, and maybe you can picture yourself in this as well, standing on a dark crossroads uh, in a city with a a single streetlight and seeing a shadow kind of peek around the corner and chasing down that corner to look around it to see what caused the shadow and there being nothing there. And then turning around and seeing a shadow in another corner and just kind of running back and forth, trying to determine what was casting a shadow. And what I realized in that is that when God speaks, he's far more substantive than just a little tiny voice in our head that we have to guess whether or not that's him. You know, when, when the angel of the Lord came and spoke to Mary, she didn't have to say, well, I think that this is what God's saying. So let me, uh, let me chase after it. No, she knew there was a definitive. When Moses saw the burning bush, there was no question that that was the voice of God. When the angel of the Lord came to Joseph, there was no question that that was the voice of God. 
And so here, here I was realizing that I'd been chasing after, uh, after shadows that I could never catch. And God was telling me, listen, you don't have to chase after these shadows. You don't have to strive and, and fall apart every time that what you thought I said wasn't there. And so a really good friend of mine uh, had these things, these seven counselors for knowing that you've heard the Holy Spirit. Uh, And this comes from God is going to speak to you in more than one way. He's going to speak to you through the scripture. Whatever you hear God say is never going to contradict what he's already said uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church talks about, uh, in talking about Scripture, it says, Scripture utters the single word of God. And who's the word of God? It's Jesus Christ. Uh, so anything that you hear God say to you is never going to contradict what's already been revealed uh, in the word of God through Scripture. Uh, then God's going to speak to you through prayer, uh, through finding out what things you need to pray for. He's also going to speak to you through your desires. Now, desires can be tricky things because we desire things that aren't good for us. But we also know that God has planted in us certain desires to have. Uh, and, and so these overarching things, God will confirm those things. But the biggest thing is that God speaks in a multitude of ways. He's not going to leave us hanging out there grasping at straws to hear the voice of God. He's going to give us a very clear picture uh, of what he wants. Now, it could be that he's not going to give you anything for a while. He might, you know, I, there are many years where I'm, I'm just sitting there saying, okay, what am I supposed to do next? And sometimes the thing you do next is you do the next right thing. You just stay faithful. Uh, you know, Mother Teresa is going to be sainted here coming up in September. And there was a, a great portion of her life where she's like, you know, I, I, I'm not hearing the voice of God like I used to hear. Uh, But what she did is she kept doing the last thing that she heard him say, and she kept following the example of the saints, and she kept doing these things, knowing uh, that that just in walking in holiness that you can't go wrong, right? Uh, the, The last thing that I would say about the voice of God here in this segment is that the voice of God always speaks with peace. If whatever you're hearing is causing you a great amount of anxiety, then you need to, to be at peace. The voice, is, the, the voice of God is never going to, to bring you anxiety. You may be a little stressed at the idea of obeying, like Jesus was in the garden, and yet when you make that decision to do what the voice of God has told you to do, uh, you will have peace. God always speaks through peace. He is the king of peace. And he will never call you to something that he won't give you the strength and the ability uh, to, to handle. He's going to gift you with everything you need to do his will. Oh, lots more to talk about. Not a lot of time here as we're talking about hearing the voice of God uh, on Outside the Walls. Join us over on Facebook, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Tell me about how you hear the voice of God. We'll be right back with a little bit more story of St. Joseph here on Outside the Walls. Well, 
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, thanks for putting up with me today. That's right, I am. uh, You've had me and me alone. Uh, Normally we have guests on here, and we've got some great guests coming up in the very near future, uh, including Dr. Peter Kreeft is going to come and talk to us here real soon about his new book, How to Be Holy. Great book. Uh, I have enjoyed it immensely, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it when he gets here. Uh, We're also going to have Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio is going to come on this next week and talk to us about uh, Holy Week and all of the uh, all of the meaning uh, that it's gets crammed into this one tiny little week of the year. Uh, But today you had me. Uh, I've had some great guests in the past as well. And if you want to catch some of those other episodes, well, I encourage you to do so. You can get it right over at OutsideTheWalls.com. All of our podcasts are maintained uh, by Breadbox Media, BreadboxMedia.com. You can find those podcasts by going over to the right-hand side of uh, the little sidebar on OutsideTheWalls.com. Scroll down to the bottom, and it says subscribe on iTunes, subscribe via FeedBurner. Pick the one you want. They're both the same. It just depends on which uh, which aggregator you use to listen to your podcasts. And you can download and access all those archives right there. Uh, but today, today's been an interesting show, uh, partly because uh, I, uh, I am not feeling very well and on a little bit of medication. So it's been a very interesting show. Where we started out is not where we ended up. I was going to tell you about my conversion story. And we ended up uh, doing just a very small piece of that. And really, by itself, it's not even recognizable as being part of my conversion. But, but what a bigger conversion is there uh, than to go from not knowing the voice of God to being able to recognize and to, to hear what it is that God wills for us, uh, to, to know that God is not uh, out there just jerking our chain around, but that he, just like our scripture readings today, is faithfully, faithfully drawing us to himself, uh, not through whispers and shadows, but through substance, through invitation. And so uh, some of the ways we hear God are by praying. Some of the ways we hear God uh, are by reading scripture by being in community with others. Uh, Sometimes, you know, the voice of God comes to us through someone else. We see that just preceding the story we have today when Nathan the prophet came to David and said, uh, guess what? You've sinned. Uh, He did it in a tricky little way there. Uh, But that voice of God came to him through another person. And the same thing happens to us in our lives. But what it always does when we hear the voice of God is we encounter peace We may not be happy about it, right? We may be asked to do something very difficult, like Jesus was in the garden, and yet there was a sense of peace underlying it all, knowing that, okay, this is the way I should walk in it. It's this this peace that goes before us, even on difficult tasks, that I know that the thing that I'm walking toward, even though it frightens me, is the right one, because I am experiencing the peace of Christ. Now, God will never call us to something that he doesn't also equip us to do. And that's our reading from church history today. You thought I forgot because of my medicine, but I didn't. I was saving it for right now. Uh, And this comes from the breviary, that book that has all the prayers in it. It comes from today's reading, from the the solemnity of St. Joseph. And it's a a homily, a sermon by St. Bernardine of Siena. And he says this, There's a general rule concerning all special graces granted to any human being. 
Whenever the divine favor chooses someone to receive a special grace or to accept a lofty vocation, God adorns the person chosen with all the gifts of the Spirit needed to fulfill the task at hand. This general rule is especially verified in the case of St. Joseph, the foster father of our Lord and the husband of the queen of our world, enthroned above the angels. He was chosen by the Eternal Father as the trustworthy guardian and protector of his greatest treasures, namely the, the Divine Son and Mary, Joseph's wife. He carried out this vocation with complete fidelity until at last God called him, saying, Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. What then is Joseph's position in the whole Church of Christ? Is he not a man chosen and set apart? Through him and yes, under him, Christ was fittingly and honorably introduced into the world. Holy Church in its entirety is indebted to the Virgin Mother because through her it was judged worthy to receive Christ. But after her, we undoubtedly owe special gratitude and reverence to St. Joseph. In him, the Old Testament finds its fitting close. He brought the noble line of patriarchs and prophets to its promised fulfillment. What the divine goodness had offered as a promise to them, he held in his arms. Obviously, Christ does not now deny Joseph that intimacy, reverence, and very high honor which he gave him on earth as a son to his father. Rather, you must say that in heaven Christ completes and perfects all that he gave at Nazareth. Now, we can see how the last summoning words of the Lord appropriately apply to St. Joseph. Enter into the joy of your Lord. In fact, although the joy of eternal happiness enters into the soul of man, the Lord preferred to say to Joseph, enter into joy. His intention was that the words should have a hidden spiritual meaning for us. They convey not only that this holy man possesses an inward joy, but also that it surrounds him and engulfs him like an infinite abyss. That reading is again from St. Bernardine of Siena, a homily about St. Joseph. And this is what it means for us to follow in the will of God, not only to have an internal joy, but to be engulfed and surrounded in the joy of God. Now, joy doesn't mean necessarily bliss or happiness. In the Old Testament, we see that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's that ability, I think, that peace to rise up and to continue walking, even in the midst of difficulty. It's our strength that when we are living in the peace of Christ, we are given strength by joy to continue doing what we're called to do to walk in faithfulness to a God who is faithful to us. Maybe you haven't always felt like God is faithful. I invite you this week to spend some time just in silence, maybe going before the Blessed Sacrament and asking Jesus, where were you in these difficult times in my life? Help me to know your voice more clearly because I don't have it right now. Help me to, to figure out what that peace looks like so that I can walk in your will. It's all the time we have for this week. Outside the Walls is a co-production of St. Michael Catholic Radio and Breadbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.